Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The Auditor General's report was released yesterday. This is, the, of course, the Ontario Auditor General's report. This is an annual process. It's a nonpartisan process. Uh, no matter who is in government, uh, there's an analysis done of how they're spending our money. And, uh, well, there were some concerns, obviously, raised in this report, and uh, we're going to talk about some of those key issues. And to do that, uh, we are so pleased to welcome Ontario's Auditor General, uh, Bonnie Lissick, back to the Bill Kelly Show. Bonnie, thank you for the time. Great to have you with us today. Well, thank you for inviting me again. Can I ask you, maybe to start off on process, as I was thumbing through some of the, the topics here, I want to get into the, the climate change thing in a second as well, of course, because I know you spent a fair bit of time on that. But some of the other items, uh, for instance, the, the, the condition of, of the jails and the, and the judicial system, uh, long-term care facilities and things of this nature, through the course of the year, Bonnie, there have been some studies, sometimes by media people, uh, exposés about the conditions here. When you see those sorts of things, do, do you and your staff red flag that and say, that's something we need to look into? Um, you know, that would be one source of information. Um, we have, um, you know, a huge database of information that dates back many, many years, uh, you know, um, probably 20 years. And so we can, we do uh, track the history of audits and organizations. We track money, where money's spent, staffing, um, uh, research in areas, what other provinces are doing in the area. So there's a multitude of things that feed into how we select audits and when we conduct them. I mean, because we've obviously in the Hamilton area here had some problems well, well, with our jail down on Barton Street here with overcrowding. Obviously, there's a there's a drug problem, drug smuggling problem that's going on, and 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 you outline an awful lot of these things. And but you also talked about the judicial system, uh, the fact that a lot of these people that are jail and and sometimes sometimes sadly they become uh, victims of, of of the drug smuggling that goes in there. Uh, they haven't been convicted of anything. They're awaiting trial, and that's an ongoing problem right across the province, isn't it? Yeah, we were surprised to see that. We were surprised to see the high level of uh, remand inmates in the system. Um, you know, within a year, they could flow through probably 80% of the people through the system or remand. Um, the average holding of inmates, the, the percentage that are remand is about 71%. So these are people that have been charged but not have had their time in court. Um, a lot of what we're seeing is it is the same uh, people going through the system. We found that you know there are some people that have been charged 13 times, convicted six times, and so our key message in all of that is, although they spend short times in the jail system, um, there needs to be some programming to address the repeat offenses um, that are being. Uh, uh, conducted by these individuals. Well, here's hoping that uh, that there's going to be some reaction from the government on that particular aspect of it. I also want to talk about the long-term care facilities because, again, we've had some concerns and actually we've had some deaths uh, in, in a couple of the long-term care facilities here in the last couple of years. And I was glad that your staff uh, decided to, to spend some time on that. Uh, we're talking about food quality here. We're talking about staffing conditions and, and really safety issues, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, our focus on this particular audit was on nutrition and, yeah. and food and the long-term care system. We've looked at the inspection of long-term care homes in, in you know, about three years ago. Um, but in this one, we were, I think what, what we were particularly, um, what noted to us was that the, the average age has not increased. It's about 83. The number of people in long-term care homes hasn't increased. It's about 77,000. But what has changed is the degree of care these people need because a higher percentage, around 64% of the people in the long-term care homes have a form of dementia, which means when it comes to food and nutrition, uh, they need more assistance. And uh, so our report looks at you know, the quality of food that they're getting, and they're getting high-sugar food, um, less fiber food, 
Um, and then we do find that in some cases where assistance needed, there's, you know, there's not enough hands to help. Uh, well, the one instance that jumped out at me was uh, some of the food that was being served was three months past its best before date. Uh, I, I get a little paranoid about that, uh, actually. You know, Bonnie, I, I, if it's one day past, I toss it out. But three months past, yeah, you're you're gambling there, aren't you? Well, you know, it's it's not so much that the food would make you sick. It's just that the the nutritional value of it is gone. And, yeah. and we point things like that, not to say it's rampant in the system, because it's not, but just to point out that it happens. And even if it happens to a few people, it's not pleasant and it's not good. So, um, you know, we use an example to kind of um, a little bit jar people that, you know, are involved in a long-term care home system to, to make sure that there is a discussion of this and that it doesn't happen as much. Uh, let's talk about uh, the climate change aspect of this. Uh, you've actually there was a separate volume of it with the climate change. It's it's a key issue. It was a key issue in the federal campaign just a couple of months ago, of course, and it seems to be a, have pushed itself into the top three concerns along with the economy and healthcare uh, among Canadian voters and certainly among Ontario voters as well. Uh, the headlines uh, through most of the papers I read this morning, Bonnie, suggest that uh, your study says that uh, the government's climate change plan is not based on sound evidence. Explain that if you could. Yeah, I mean, I think everything needs to be in context, right? And so, you know, they can't, the government drafted a plan after, I, I think very quickly, after they were uh, brought into uh, to be government. And so uh, they projected that they would want to achieve an emission reduction by, a hun- uh, by 2030 and take emissions in Ontario down to about 143 megatons. Right now, Ontario is sitting at about 163 megatons. So what we looked at, and we have a figure in our report, figure two, is what are the plans, like what what needs to be or what is in place, what was planned to be in place to get there. And um, we're just, we're recommending that they just look at all their calculations and and their projections on their initiatives to make sure that they're grounded in, in solid evidence. I mean, I do know that during the course of this audit, it was represented to us that it's an evolution, right? This plan will be updated and changed as they get more information and and focus more on where they want to um, achieve those emission reductions, uh, which will likely be in the, obviously, transportation area. But, but having said that, uh, we pointed out uh, areas that uh, they need to improve on in terms of getting back up for the way they're going to achieve the emission reductions. One of the love about doing these reports or reading your reports every year, though, is is, is you separate uh, the, the wheat from the chaff here. This is not the political bombast that says, oh, we're on track, everything's going to be fine. You actually look at hard numbers. And even, as, as you mentioned in the report, even the environment ministry themselves, uh, their numbers and their data indicates that the government's off base on this. Yeah, I think what happened, I mean, they, you know, they work for the government, right? Sure, Administration yeah. reports in, and I think what's happened here is they just, uh, they didn't seem to have enough time to do the uh, modeling that they needed to or to put, uh, to take into account the public consultation information. And so I think um, because the plan was posted on the registry, the Environmental Bill of Rights Registry, and there's been a lot of response to it, that that information will likely, you know, to be fair on this, will likely be taken into account in, uh, you know, sort of regrouping and looking at this plan going forward. The thing about this is, you know, we're talking about a 2030 target, so um, it's not like there's not enough time to get there. Um, it's just, um, I think, obviously, uh, you know, more more uh, concrete evidence would be would be good. Well, the analysis here, I think, is, is the key element to this. I mean, when campaign promises are made, and that's the politics of it, of course, uh, many of us wonder sometimes, and it's not just this government, it could be any government at all, but especially in this issue of climate change, which is so essential, 
Uh, sometimes you wonder when they start, here's the stated goal, and you wonder, well, how are we going to get there? Oh, it's going to be fine. You know, we're going to do this. And they, sh- they show these huge incremental uh, moves t- in that direction. Uh, and, but when you do the number crunching here sometimes, uh, there's, there's a difference between what they th- say they're going to do and what they're actually doing. And it's, it's not necessarily because they're not committed to it. It's just that the numbers may be a little off. Yeah, yeah, and we we did see this. You know, we looked at the previous climate change about uh, report or, or the um, uh, the plan uh, about three four years ago when we did the audit of climate change in the office as well, and we noted at that point in time as well the projections that were being used um, were not as well based on sound evidence. So it's not we haven't we've seen this before, um, you know, but we're recommending that you know going forward um, it's time to get it uh, a little bit more. Um, uh, science and evidence focused. Well, and I, I guess even the uh, the clause that were about electric cars that you talked about here, they talked about a, a, a pretty significant increase in in the purchase and usage of electric cars, uh, which was not unlike actually the projection that the previous government, the wind government, had made. But the, the, uh, as you mentioned in the report, the government nixed all the, uh, the incentive programs for people to move forward in that direction. So how realistic are those numbers? Yeah, you're right. It was a carryover. Um, when we had them rerun, they use a model to do this, and when we had them rerun the model with sort of the new policy changes, um, that was one of the areas where instead of having a uh, emission reduction of about 2.6 megatons, it, when we re-estimated it, we would say it would be zero. And so that was one of the adjustments that, uh, that we've suggested be uh, considered going forward. When you do something like this, Bonnie, what what is your expectation that the government's going to embrace this and say you're right, or maybe we have to look at this differently? You know, I think we remain positive when we put recommendations forward and we get our reports accepted and the recommendations accepted. Um, you know, we're we're hopeful that they'll be implemented, and so um, you know, I have nothing. I've I have uh, no reason to believe that there that the recommendations that we put forward in the report won't be implemented. Um, you know, we've had very d- good discussions, and and you know, to be fair, I think there is a desire to um, get it right. Well, and I guess that's uh, in the eye of the beholder. I know that uh, there were some. Uh, <laughs> Some some differences of opinion, maybe, uh, between your office and, and the previous uh, finance minister uh, about some of the number crunching and some of the math in situations like this. And I guess that's that's part of the politics of this. Oh, oh you mean on the uh, the financial statement? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't. You know what? That one, that one. To be honest with you, from our perspective, was a fairly simple one because the accounting. I mean, I think I've I've always gone into more of the technical, but the simplistic part of it is. The accounting for the pensions, the way it was, which was an audit finding, not not a changing of my mind, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it was an audit finding. And really, if they'd continued down the path of booking the accounting the way they did, they they were creating a structural deficit. And so, when there's a deficit reported, um, the number would be wrong, and they would be uh, borrowing to spend more money on operating programs, which isn't the way it should work. Uh, some ministers uh, tend to get defensive about this, as Mr. Souza did in that situation. Uh, even the environment minister and the energy minister, I guess, with your report yesterday. But I got to tell you, from my standpoint, one of the most gratifying things I saw, as you did uh, roll out the, the, the story about uh, about long-term care facilities and some of the concerns that you raised that you saw in this, the immediate response from the minister, Christine Elliott, was, "We need to do something about that." In other words, she seems to be embracing these findings and saying, "Okay, we 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 can act on this and we can do this." Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we've we've seen um, you know messaging throughout the public sector to, like you say, embrace our audits, embrace our findings, embrace our past recommendations, and go forward and implement them. There's been more focus on that, and I think you know as an office we're we're really happy about that. Again, the reports and our recommendations were all uh, very well accepted by by the government, by the administration. And so, you know, we're hopeful going forward that, you know, they'll be incorporated in their, in their, in their action plans. But, uh, again, at this point, have no reason to believe that that wouldn't be the case. Well, obviously, yeah, the, the politics of this now will be thrown speeches and, and policy announcements that are going to be made in this. And uh, the, there's, I didn't get any sense that there's any condemnation of any of these government programs. It's a matter that they need tweaking and, and, and maybe a, a closer look at some of the numbers. Yeah, I think the one the one that we found really disappointing though was the ODSP program mm-hmm. because as an office there there have been recommendations made in 2003, 2008 to actually make sure that people who are receiving ODSP are actually entitled to it under the law. So they have, you know, the financial need for it, but they're also they also have the physical disability. And um you know, because if if you get that right, then you either have more money to give to the people that actually need it or more money for other programming. But we do see there's a lot of weaknesses in that program, and and there is, you know, um, I I think there is evidence that people who don't require ODSP are actually receiving it. Uh, And again, uh, interesting to see that. We just, uh, before you joined us, did a segment about the the, the cancelled basic income program too, which obviously has a a financial impact and, and a real human impact as well. Uh, and those are sorts of things that the, that the governments have to have a real uh, a look at, I guess, as these things go forward. Uh, but you've given us fodder for conversation here, uh, certainly, uh, and the government <laughs> uh, a chance to, to respond to this as well. Bonnie, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the work that you and your staff have done on this, and thanks for the time today. Well, thank you very much for uh, for uh, making your your listeners aware of our work, too. Okay, we'll Appreciate talk again soon, I'm yeah, sure. Thank thanks, you. Bonnie. Thanks. Bonnie Lissick, of course, Ontario's Auditor General. Uh, the report, by the way, is on their webpage if you want to go and have a look at it. It's pretty extensive, and it is long, but it's a, an interesting read. And and as I say, it's nonpartisan. It's not as if they're saying, hey, you know, these guys did it right, and this government's doing it all wrong. They just they look at numbers, and they look at the efficacy of the programs themselves and uh, give it an unbiased view of what's going on. And uh, it's good news. I'm, I'm glad to hear, uh, as Bonnie Lissick told us, that the government seems to be open to listening to some of these suggestions because we have seen examples in the past where they just bristle at this and they take this as a personal insult if this, any of the programs are being questioned. Uh, that's not what the purpose is. It's to, it's to open our eyes to this sort of thing and to hopefully maybe open the government's eyes to it too. So we'll see how they respond in the uh, the days and weeks ahead. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.